Yeah. And the order of those two things, to be loved and to love, is intentional. You know, because until we realize that we're loved, it's hard and maybe impossible to love someone else. Um, To truly love someone else, it's important to know that we're loved. You know, most of us have the privilege of being loved by at least one person or maybe two or maybe a few more in our lives, you know. But the love that matters the most I have found in my life, and I'm sure I would get a big show of hands, the love that enables us to know we are valuable and significant is God's love. We've all been loved by someone, maybe parents, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, or a spouse, or, you know, even a child, a friend. But I can say in my life, and I'm sure you all can too, until you know God's love for you, you can't love. I mean, you think you're loving, but it's to me it's just not the same until you know you're loved by God. And because when we know that we're loved by him, it gives us value. It gives us significance. I would say, I feel like in my life, the way I would describe it is it made me whole to know his love. And, you know, we see in the Bible, we sing, Jesus loves me, this I know. But God doesn't want us to just know it here. He wants us to know it here. And some people may think, well, what does that matter? Well, it matters. <laughs> and the Bible says, I'll read you the scripture in a minute, that God wants us to know that love because it completes us. You know how people will say, you complete me. Well, I believe God completes us. Amen. And then we complement each other, you know. Um, no one can take God's place. No human. I believe that the main message of the Bible is that God loves you. And you see it told throughout the Bible in different ways, the picture of God's love. And once we begin to grasp his love, it's a lot easier to love other people. I don't think I really knew how to love Alan until I received God's love. And then, honestly, I didn't even love myself until I received God's love. And first, it was God's love for me. Then it taught me to love myself. And then from there to be able to love others. And, uh, you know, I can remember the first time in my life that someone looked at me and said to me, God loves you. You know, we say it all the time, God loves you. You know, we say, as Christians, we say that all the time. We preach it. We talk about it, you know, in the Christian atmosphere, I guess you could say. 
but I wasn't in a Christian atmosphere like that, like we are, you know. And, uh, I mean, I was the day the lady said that to me. I had been saved, but I had never had anybody say to me, God loves you. And I tell you, when she said those words to me, this was my response. I put my head down and I shook my head like this. Because I didn't feel worthy of his love. I knew what a crumb I had been. And I still, you know, I was pretty newly saved. And I didn't know that my uh, value or who I was, was because, would be because of who he made me to be, you know. And I just think it's so important for all of us to know that we know that we know that God loves us. And, you know. I began a, um, when she said that to me, she said it to me two weeks in a row. We were in a little Bible study. And she told me God wants you. The second week she told me he did. And then the second week she told me he wants you to know that. And you know what? I began a pursuit. And I encourage you all, if you don't know that you know that you know that God loves you, I encourage you to pursue knowing that he loves you. And that's what I began to do. I just began to read scriptures about his love for me. You may think, well, that's selfish. Well, he wants me to know. Because I don't believe we can really move forward in him until we know. You know why? Because we're always listening to the condemning voice of the enemy, and it turns us inward instead of upward. Love turns us upward toward him, and then it turns us outward toward others and not inward toward ourselves and being mad at ourselves all the time. And so, you know, I had to make a decision to receive what God said to me. I had to make a decision to receive his love. You know, you have to make a decision to receive his offer of salvation to you, to freely forgive your sins by the blood of his son, by accepting his son. You know, you just have to choose to believe that and receive that, and then you'll be saved. Well, it's the same about love and God's love for you. There just came a day Where I just had to say, well, you know what? You want to, okay. (laughs) And you know what? I began to get free. I began, it's like it opened up to me. I just decided to believe it. I got my eyes off myself and decided, well, if he didn't care, well, I guess I'm not going to either. If he didn't care knowing the real me, you know, I guess I'm not going to worry about it either. Again, I didn't know all the stuff I know now. I was just a little learner. In the Lord still am today, but I know more than I did then. But God wants us to know because it is crucial <laughs> in the words of Greg. It's Greg Gonzalez. It's crucial that you know God loves you. I tell you, it'll take you through. It'll take you through crummy stuff that happens in this world. It'll take you through. Once we begin to grasp his love, it's a lot easier to love other people. There's something about God's love that helps us look past ourselves and see those around us. And I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 through 19. And this is, this is one of the places where Paul's telling the Ephesians and he's, he's telling them that, that to have the power, the Ability to grasp understanding the love of God. And I'll read it to you. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. He says, May Christ, through your faith, this is the Amplified Bible, actually dwell, settle down, and abide, and make his permanent home in your hearts. 
May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. So somehow the Lord coming in to our hearts, here it says it, that he would settle down, that he would abide. That's from inviting him in. But it's not, he, from that, he, they want you to know the Bible. God wants you to know his love for you, that you would be rooted in it, that nothing could shake you from it, that, that it, it would, you'd be founded securely on God's love. No matter what happens, God loves me. Verse 18, that you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints the experience of that love, what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth of it, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ. He didn't want you to just know it here. He wants you to experience, to know it for yourself. He says, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. That you may be filled throughout all your being unto all the fullness of God. May you have the richest measure of the divine presence. Do you know what that's what God wants for you? That you have the richest measure of the divine presence of God in you. And that you would become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. You need to see yourself that way. That's who you are and that's what God wants you to know don't see yourself as just some little human walking around you are filled with the divine presence of god you carry his presence christ in you the hope of glory you carry him inside you and you bring him to others it's it's just so amazing you know i don't know that we stop and take time to think about what he does, who he is. The major theme of the Bible is that God, God's love passionately pursues humankind. He pursues us. No matter, you know, I can remember one time, well, just in talking about the love of God, I remember God told me one time, he said, I'm not like man. You know, we're to be created in his image. Not him in our image. We're created in his image. And he said, I'm not like man, which means, it just means I don't do stuff that, that us humans do sometimes, you know. And sometimes we think of God in, in that way. But he's not like us. You read the love chapter, First Corinthians chapter 13. I remember the first time I heard those words. We call it the love chapter. Love is patient. Love is kind. You, you, you read God's word. That's God. That's God. You know, no matter who we are or where we are or what we think about God, he is madly in love with us. He's madly in love with us. I want to read to you out of Romans chapter 8. Familiar scripture. We read it. We love it. We read it often. (laughs) Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39 in the Passion Translation. Who could ever separate us from the endless love of God's anointed one? Absolutely no one. For nothing in the new universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, and problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions or deprivations or dangers and death threats? No. For they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love 
Even though it's written, all day long we face death threats for your sake, God. We are considered to be nothing more than sheep to be slaughtered. Yet even in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them. For God has made us to be more than conquerors, and he's demonstrated his love in our glorious victory over everything. He demonstrates his love. You know, I think we stop short of our victory sometimes. Because maybe the enemy will start saying, well, God doesn't love you. Well, if God loved you, this and this and this. But you need to get in the word and let that be your authority. What God says about it. You need to quit believing the lies of the enemy and those voices in your ears. They're giving you fake news about God because it's not true. Take him at his word. I tell you what, you will see the salvation of the Lord and you will see your victory. But I think we stop short of it because we start believing the lies of the enemy. Verse 38 of Romans 8. So now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, fallen angels, Our dark rulers in the heavens, there's nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us, no power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love, which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. Are you convinced? (laughs) If you're not, you need to read Romans 8, 35 through 39 and other scriptures that tell of his love. For you, for you, not for y'all, for you personally. The Bible says he knows every detail about our lives. David wrote about it in Psalm 139, and I'm going to read it to you because I want y'all to know what it says, what God says. I'm not going to read you the whole thing. I'm just going to read you some of them, verses 1 through 6 in the Passion Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You know, I can remember before I got saved and my cousin would come and just kind of bug me because, you know, she wanted me to be saved or come to God or whatever. And, you know, one that I didn't believe in God, I went to church every blooming Sunday. But, you know, I didn't know how to let God be uh, in your life every day. I I didn't think that makes sense to me. Uh, To me, God was something you did on Sundays. I can understand. I I can relate to that because that's how I was. I was raised going to church. I, I, I was raised to believe in God, and I did believe in God. I did what I knew to do, but I didn't know you could know him personally. I didn't know that he wanted to be personally involved in our lives. I didn't know that. Did he want me to talk to him? I know I was pretty dumb to be a churchgoer. I don't know how I didn't get it, but I didn't. And so because I thought he knew everything about me, which he did, I couldn't come to him, and I told her, I said, well, I'll go to God when I get my life cleaned up. Anybody thought that way ever? I thought, like, I could do it. I thought I could do it. I thought, well, if I just acted better, then, then I could go to God because then I wouldn't be so embarrassed. First one of Psalm 139, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. You perceive every movement, movement of my heart and soul. And you understand my every thought before it enters my mind. You are so intimately aware of me, Lord. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You've gone into my future to prepare the way. 
And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. Now, look how this started. Lord, you know everything about me. You know what I'm going to say. You know the crummy junk I've said. You know what my crummy thought. You know, I mean, he didn't say it like that, but we're all thinking, oh, and God knows every thought. He knows all this stuff. But look at this. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. You see why God told me he wasn't like us? Because see, what we do is when somebody's acted stinky, then we withhold blessing from them. We withhold being nice or we withhold our love or our kindness to them, but not God. He pursues us with his love. You know what? Because love never fails. Love never fails. God's love never fails. With your hand of love upon my life, you impart a blessing to me. This is just too wonderful and deep and incomprehensible. But you can know it because he'll show you. And then verses 13 through 18. You formed my innermost being, shaping my delicate inside and my intricate outside. And you wove them all together in my mother's womb. You got one of those, Samantha. (laughs) Woven together in there in your womb. I thank you, God, for making me so mysteriously complex. Everything you do is marvelously breathtaking. It simply amazes me to think about it. How thoroughly you know me, Lord. You even formed every bone in my body when you created me in the secret place. Carefully, skillfully shaping me from nothing to something. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Before I'd ever seen the light of day, the number of days you planned for me were already recorded in your book. Every single moment you are thinking of me. How precious and wonderful to consider that you cherish me constantly in your every thought. If you ever feel down or low or sad or maybe unloved, please read Psalm 139 to yourself in the Passion. That's a place to start. Because that's what God says about you. That's who he says that you are to him and what he's done in your life and what he's continuing to do. God knows our thoughts, our actions, and even the numbers of hairs on our heads, the Bible says. He watches us when we sleep and he's there when we awake in the morning and he has good thoughts planned for us during the day. I went to my dentist yesterday, no cavities, thank you, Jesus, and uh she has, you know, I thought, why she put that up high? But I know why she put it up high. Because, you know, when you have to lay back in the chair like, like that, which nobody likes to do. Um, she had in a real colorful little picture for I know the plans that I have for you. And I said, oh, you got Jeremiah up there, you know. But she put it kind of up high because, see, when you look back, you can look over and See what God is saying to you while they're drilling on your teeth and stuff, or they're cleaning them, or making that. Oh, they got this thing and it makes this high pitched noise. Yee! Oh, it's so high pitched. That noise is especially, uh, oh, inside your mouth, you know, like a shrill or something. Anyway, I thought, oh, hurry. But anyway, 
God knows our thoughts. He has no ulterior motive. He's not like us. <laughs> He's not being nice for a reason. He's not loving you for a reason other than he just loves you and he is love. He isn't a control freak. He's not trying to manipulate us or intimidate us into holiness. He genuinely loves us and he wants the best for our lives. And when the Bible talks about the dangers of sin, it is simply to help us avoid pitfalls. You know, a lot of people think, well, the Bible is just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Well, if you see some don'ts in there, it's to help us. That's why. To help you avoid a trap of the enemy, a pitfall, something the enemy's laid out for our lives. It's to help us avoid pitfalls and get the most out of our lives. It's not for God's sake. It's for ours. That's why he tells us. That's why he shows us the way. He says, Here's the way. Walk in it. Why? Because he loves us. You tell your kids, oh, why do you tell them to stay out of the street? Because you love them. You want them to avoid the pitfall of playing in the street and getting hurt. God does the same for us, but people go, they don't like to hear that. It's out of love for us. You know, sometimes, you know how kids can think they know more than us, more than the parents? Well, sometimes we think we know more than God, but we don't. God's love chases us, not to punish or berate us, but to rescue and embrace us. God values us for who we are. Sometimes we might think God is just interested in our behavior, watching and waiting for us to slip up. Slip up. Sometimes we're afraid that if we get too close to God, we'll be exposed for who we really are. Fear of intimacy, fear of drawing close. We long to be loved and to love, but we feel unlovable. And our knowledge of our neediness and our weakness makes us hide from God sometimes, the one who loves us the most. Because we think if he sees us for who we really are, he's just going to get angry like man does. Well, I can't tell them that. They'll think I'm horrible. Well, they'll think I'm not even a Christian. But God knows our thoughts. We need to open to him and let him help us. And even open to each other, those that you trust, that you know are, are there to pray with you. So, you know, we walk around, what, with plastic smiles. Praise the Lord. Everything's great. That's <laughs> what so Joyce Meyer, she said her and Dave would be fighting in the car and then they'd come into church. Bless the Lord. <laughs> they'd be duking it out in the car. <laughs> come here, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> and she would, she'd say, we need to give the sacrifice of praise. <laughs> she always did that. <laughs> you know, but we got to get real. And I'm not saying that we just carry it all out here, but we need to get real with God and with each other when God leads us to do that. He didn't want us walking around with plastic smiles, but inside we're held together with duct tape and bailing wire, barely making it. <laughs> Ever feel like that? Oh. Deep inside, we want to know that we're valuable and that we are loved. And I will tell you, I don't know anything more healing in my life. And I believe y'all could say the same if, you, if, if you've allowed him in these areas. I don't know of anything more valuable and healing than to know that I'm loved by God. That it has been the most healing thing in my life. Salvation brought me peace, but in with it came his love. And it has been just so healing to me. 
God is the best source, the only source of the true love that we're looking for. Human love is wonderful and it's important and it's necessary, but it pales in comparison to the power of God's love to satisfy our souls and to heal our hearts. God loves us with never-ending love and unconditional passion. He longs to gather us in his arms, not to criticize or control or condemn, but simply to love us, to heal us, to restore us. Religion will tell you, oh, I, mm, God's going to get, well, God's upset, well, God's, that, that's, that's not God's language. Yes, there's things that, again, he tells us, but it is to help us in our lives. It's not because he's mad at us. It's he's trying to protect us like you do your children. Just don't go in the street. It's going to hurt you. God's love chases us, and the sooner it catches us, the better. God is love personified, and he created us to love and to be loved. God created human beings out of a desire for relationship. Did you know that? He wanted to have relationship with us. Don't you think that's awesome? You ever think about that? Do you know he's wanting to talk to you every day and have a relationship with you, 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 you? Every day. Every day. You. He wants to talk to you. He loves you. He created Adam and Eve because he wanted to love and be loved. And that was his desire from the beginning, and nothing has changed. God created a garden, Eden. Where he and humanity could be together. Adam and Eve were the perfect companions. He created them. Everything was going great. Y'all know what happened until Adam and Eve did the one thing that God had told them not to do. And again, that reason was for their good. He told them not to eat from a certain tree in the garden. And they were in the middle of the most amazing, awe-inspiring, pleasure-filled environment And they went for the only thing that was off limits. You might ask, well, why did God put that tree in the first place? Anybody ever thought that? Why did he put that in there? Why why didn't he just leave that tree out? Why didn't he just make it impossible for them to disobey him? Why, Why didn't he do that? Well, you know, love by definition requires the ability to choose. If we can't choose to love or not to love, then we really can't say we love at all. God didn't want a planet full of robots hardwired to obey him. Love had to have free will, a choice. The opposite of love is not hate. It's selfishness. Adam and Eve chose self over love. They chose self over God. Selfishness is the essence of sin. Think about it. How much of the pain and suffering in the world is not caused by natural disasters or by accidents, but by humans willfully pursuing their own desires? It's true. And we all have. And we honestly all will again. But God and God's love for us. If we could simply follow the golden rule to treat others the way we would want to be treated, imagine what would happen to much of the evil in this world. It'd go. God granted Adam and Eve free will, and they chose sin. Paradise and perfection were compromised, and now there's a division, and it caused a division, a chasm between man and God, and it's called sin. It separated us. 
It's a chasm caused by man's own choice of self. But God didn't let that stop him. God is just and sin had to be dealt with. But first and foremost, God is love. So he couldn't just wipe out humanity and start over. So he solved the problem of sin. Y'all know how he did it once and for all by sending his son Jesus to take the punishment for whose sin? Our sin. Jesus went to the cross to pay the penalty for every evil deed that the human race has ever committed or will commit. Justice was served. Humanity was rescued by what he did. Think about the contrast between Adam's selfishness and Jesus' love. Adam chose self and sin, and through his selfishness, evil entered the world. But Jesus chose love over self, and through his love, the power of sin and evil were destroyed. The entire Bible is the story of God's love for humanity. It is not about sin or about performance or about religion. It's about God who incessantly, obsessively, and relentlessly loves his creation. That's you. And who went to great lengths to restore people to himself. Sometimes when you're having a bad day, you just need to think about that. What God did. John 3.16, y'all know it says, For God. We say, but God, well, for God, (laughs) so greatly loved and he dearly prized the world that he even gave up his only son so that whoever believes in him shall not perish, come to destruction, be lost, but have eternal, everlasting life. You know, John also wrote, John wrote that, and then he also wrote in 1 John 4.10, he says, this is real love. Not that we loved God but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That's real love. It's true love. Not that we loved God because we didn't. And you know what? Even now, we don't always love him in the way that we should. We're not always best at loving God. But real love is that God gave the best of himself to save the worst of us. I don't know about y'all, but I think I was the worst of us. He gave the best of himself to save the worst of us. We had done nothing to earn it or to deserve his love. But he extravagantly and unconditionally lavished his love on the whole world. Don't you want the world to know it? Don't you want those who don't know this to know it? I wish I would have known it my whole life. What a joy to go your whole life knowing God loves you and that he died for you and that he's your savior your whole life. But you know, at 26, I'm just thankful to know him start then. Maybe you've been looking for love in all the wrong places. We all have. And maybe you're tired or ashamed or, you know, things we've done looking for that love. We've all done that. But God is still madly in love with you no matter what. His love's not altered by who you are or where you've been. It's not altered. It doesn't stop. He wants you to drop your defenses and accept his embrace 
Allow him to embrace you right where you are, right where you are today. His love is real. He doesn't want you for what you can do. He wants you for you. That's God. God loves with an uncontainable, indescribable, tireless love. His love makes life work. Makes it work right. His love. It finds you and it heals you. And his love chases you and embraces you like no other. When you discover God's love, everything changes. And it does. And I just encourage you tonight, if you've, you know, you're saved, but you just think, you know, I know he loves me, but, you know, I struggle maybe with performance things or just upset with yourself not being what you think you should be, I just encourage you to just receive God's love afresh tonight and allow him to embrace you and allow him to heal you and just allow him to love you right where you are with every bloom and imperfection because there's not one of us in here that's perfect or will ever be until he comes again and makes us perfect. We're not where we were, as Joyce Meyer says, but we've left. But allow God to love you. And if, you're, if you've just never known the depth, the breadth, the width, the height of it and experience for yourself, I encourage you to get on your phone and Google scriptures, love scriptures, <laughs> God's love, and just read them and read them and just begin to thank him. that he, Lord, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you love me unconditionally. You're not, you're not counting up mistakes and you don't have a scoreboard. And I don't even understand or know why you do, but you do and you chose to, so I receive it. I tell you, it will make a difference in you, how you see you, how you see God, and how you see others. And it will make a difference on, how, on your relationships. When I began to know and that God loved me and then I could begin to love myself. That was part of what healed Alan's and mine's marriage was the love of God because it got my eyes off of me and it just began, how do you say, what's the word? Um, took all the rejection. It, it took all the fear of man. Fear of rejection. It took that what's everybody going to think, you know. And I'm not saying you get haughty. Ah, it makes you secure. You're secure. God's love brings a security to you. And sometimes the enemy tries to take it. I'm not going to say you just, quote, feel secure. You just feed again on God's love. But I'm telling you. That's what his love does. It brings you peace and security. And so I just encourage you tonight. I want to pray for us that if you just never let God in that way, he says, what's he say? I stand at the door and I knock. He wants you to open the door of your heart to him and just let him in. And, and, and you may have for a long time, but there may still be hurt places in your life that God's love needs to come in and heal and make okay. People let us down and do hurtful things. And just 
that love needs to just come in and say, God, this hurt me, and just let his love. Doesn't mean what they did was right, but let his love come in and heal. Father, I just thank you. that I just believe that you're doing it in each of us tonight. That you're just causing fresh love to permeate into our lives and our hearts, into our very being and our thoughts and our 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 emotions and our our minds, Father, in our innermost being, that your love is just permeating every hurt area, every place that needs healing, every place that just needs restoration, every place that needs hope, every place that needs faith, every place that needs encouragement. Father, I just thank you for securing each one of us in your love. That that we're not going to be able to go without being rooted deep and founded on that love. And that we're not going to stop until we know that we know that we know. And even when we mess up, you don't withhold that love. But you say, here, let me help you up again. Let me help you. You are so kind and so loving. And we are so thankful for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer tonight, I'll pray for you. Amen.